Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. All right, be honest. How many thought you were coming to the 9 o'clock service? <laughs> yeah, a few of you. Yeah, yeah, I, I could tell. How many are glad we have an option for you on days like this, okay? That little extra hour, boy... Losing that, that, that's not fun. Um, and, and believe me, I'm dealing with it. Actually, you may not believe this, but even pastors some days wake up on cold, wet, rainy mornings and think, oh, I'd just like to stay in bed today. You know? so, so I understand. I understand and I appreciate that you, know, you made the effort. So I'm going to hopefully make it worth your while. We're wrapping up this series we've called Elevate. And it's, it's really all about finding and fulfilling your higher calling. And, and it's something I truly do believe that, that every one of us has a calling from God. It's not just for pastors, not just for missionaries. It's for every one of us. And, and finding your life calling and fulfilling that calling is the best thing you could do with your life. That God didn't give you this 80, 90, 100 years, however many you get, just to kind of exist. He created you with a purpose in mind, and there's something that he has for you to do. And that's why we put such an emphasis on this, and we do it on a regular basis, helping you find and fulfill your higher calling. And we started a couple weeks ago with this idea of centering your life on God, that he is the one who created you. He is the one who knows what's best for you. He knows how you've been shaped and how you've been formed. And, And he is the one, when he is at the center of your life, then everything else makes sense. It all comes from the center. And then... When you make him the center of your life, the next thing is it's important to commit to a community of faith because it's in the community of faith that we learn and we grow together because what God is doing is he's shaping every one of us into the third thing we talked about, character. That he's got is shaping your character. He's molding you to be a reflection of who he is. And then last week we talked about your contribution. That God has gifted you and you have talents and abilities that nobody else has. You are uniquely shaped by him to make a contribution in this world. And today we're wrapping it all up. And this is maybe the most important of all of them is what's going to be the communication of your life, your life message, because that's, that's at the heart of why you're on this earth. And so today we're going to be talking about that, that God, God made you unique and he has something that he wants to say to the world through you. And if you don't say it, who will? Who will? So that, that's why this is so important. And the other thing about that is that your life message um, is an expression of God's bigger message to the world. In the same way that we've got four different gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each one of them told the same story, essentially, but from a different perspective so that different people could be able to relate to it from that one perspective. And you are a living gospel, if you will. And what you do with your life and how you portray that message is so important, not just for you, but for all those around you. So Paul wrote about this in his letter to the Corinthian church. He actually wrote two letters. Um, For those of you who are new to the Bible and all that, most of our New Testament is letters written by the apostle Paul to different local churches. And he wrote at least two letters that we know of to a church in a city called Corinth. This is his second letter to them. And he's been writing to them about what God has done and what he's doing in their lives and and what he's doing in their communities through them. And he comes in the middle of this letter in chapter 5. If you want to pull out your Bibles, if you got your iPad or your phone, you can use that. Use the YouVersion app. Um, But it's just he starts with this idea. 2 Corinthians 5, 
Verse 11. He writes, since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God and I hope is also plain to your conscience. We're not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what's in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled him to us, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Now, sometimes when we talk about this idea of sharing your faith with others, a lot of times when we think about that, we think about that as something separate from our life or it's just one activity or one ought or one duty or whatever. That just, it's separate from the rest of our life. And what Paul is saying in his letters, no, that's just not true. That's just not true. It is your life. It is your life message. And when your story gets connected up with God's bigger story, that is your life message. And it needs to be shared. Like I said before, if you don't share it, who will? God wants to say something to this world through you. And what we're going to look at today is how that can make a lasting impact in somebody else. It could make an internal impact in somebody else's life. And so we're going to talk and start with this idea, that for your life message to have its maximum impact, it needs to be authentic. It needs to be real. Because your life message is more than the words that you speak. It's the life that you live. Paul put it this way, verse 11. What we are is plain to God, and I hope is also plain to your conscience. In other words, what he's saying is, I hope you understand that the person I am with you is the same person I am when I stand before God. Or in other words, I know I can't fake it with God and I'm not going to fake it with you. That your life and my life says something for good or bad. People are watching your life. And what they want to know is, is it real? Is it genuine? Is it true? Paul says, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. Now, I want you to think about that because we know what an ambassador is. It hasn't changed in the last 2,000 years. But what has changed is back in Paul's day, they didn't have phones. They didn't have internet. They had no way of communicating with the home office back in Rome. So when big issues came up or big questions or where where do we stand on this issue, they couldn't call back to Rome and say, hey, how do I answer this question? 
For an ambassador in Paul's day was to be someone who knew the heart and the mind and the purpose of the emperor because you were going to be his representative wherever you were. And Paul's saying, that's the way it is with us, that Christ is making his appeal to this world through us, through you, through me. And so that means that we need to know the mind and the heart and the purpose of God. And we can't just talk about it. We have to live it. One of the biggest jobs of an ambassador is to promote goodwill between the country that he represents and the country that he's living in. We are to promote goodwill between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. That's, that's what your life message is all about. It's tied up in his bigger message. Now, that is a sobering thought. If it, you know, that, that hasn't hit you like, whoa, I don't know if I can do that. Okay? Then you don't understand what he's talking about here because it is. It's very sobering. How can I do that? Because I know myself. I know. I mess up all the time. And if people are looking at me and they're looking for God in me, if they're looking for Christ and what he, what he represents in me, I'm going to mess up. And so here's the deal. What we sometimes tend to do then is to pretend to be better than we really are. We, we kind of slip into this kind of promoting this image of who we are, and that's not the same thing as who we really are. And we try to present ourselves as being a little bit better, a little bit more righteous, a little bit more holy. And that is a very, very dangerous thing. Dallas Willard writes about it in his book, The Spirit of the Disciplines. He writes these words. He says, how many people are radically and permanently repelled from the way by Christians who are unfeeling, stiff, unapproachable, boring, lifeless, obsessive, and dissatisfied? (laughs) Yet such Christians are everywhere. And what they are missing is the wholesome liveliness springing from a balanced vitality within the freedom of God's loving rule. He goes on, spirituality wrongly understood or pursued is a major source of human misery and rebellion against God. He's talking about the same thing that Paul's talking about. Let your life, as well as your words, express the grace and love of Christ. That makes me think about my behavior a little bit differently. And and by the way, if you're pretending to be somebody that you're not pretending to be a little bit better, if you're trying to prop up an image, I'm telling you, no, you're not fooling anybody. (laughs) You're not fooling anybody, I know. They can see right through it. They can see right through it. Now, by the way, that means you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. But you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to be authentic. To the Philippian church, Paul wrote these words, no matter what happens, live in a way that brings honor to the good news about Christ. And I believe, I believe it is far more honoring to the good news about Christ that they see what Christ is doing in your life. We talk about it around here all the time that we are all people in process. I think what is most honoring to the gospel is that people are able to see that process working itself out in our lives. Because, first of all, like I said, you're holding up this image. You're not fooling anybody. And what you're trying to do is to, to, to set up a, a, a bar that nobody can, you can't even live up to it. It's much more honoring for people to see, hey, I'm making mistakes too. Which means that when you mess up, 
you need to be able to apologize. I, most of you know by now, uh, I'm a sailor. And uh, I cr- I've crewed on the same boat with the same group of people for probably about the last 15 at least 15 years now. And, and, and sailing season is actually about to start back up. Racing season starts in three weeks. The clouds will part, the sun will shine, and all will be right with the world once again. I can't wait. I can't wait. But, but having crewed with this same group of people for the last 15 years, okay, we kind of know each other real well, and, and we do a lot of back and forth. And there's a lot of good-natured ribbing and bantering that goes back and forth. And it happens all the time, you know, as we're racing and somebody messes up, you know, we kind of ride his case for a little bit, you know, and, and we do that all the time. But, but a couple of years ago, one, it just stuck out in my mind that, um, stuck out in my mind. I missed that hour of sleep. Um, stood out in my mind. Um, we were bantering back and forth, some good natured ribbing. And, and I just said something was just a little bit too cutting. And I knew it because the minute I saw it, it was just like, everybody went, you said that? <laughs> and I realized I'd messed up. And it was very, very important for me to apologize. Now, that's not an easy thing to do. But I want people to know I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. You don't have to be. But you need to be real. If your life message is going to make an impact in somebody else's life, it's got to be authentic. It's got to be genuine. People need to see its reality in you. And that happens with the second thing that we're going to talk about. It needs to be relational. It needs to be relational. As a follower of Jesus Christ, your life message is an extension of God's message of love. This is verse 14. This is what Paul wrote. Christ's love compels us because we're convinced that one died for all. His love compels us. That's the why. That's the why we do what we do. That's why we have the kind of church that we have. We designed this church specifically in mind to reach people who had given up on church or maybe been burned by a church experience or, or maybe never had a church background or experience. We designed our church to be for people just like that. And that's most of you. Many of you have no church background or maybe have really burned somewhere along the way. And we've always wanted to be an expression of the love and mercy and grace of God. And your life needs to reflect that as well. That's the why. And the why is always more important than the how. Always. The love of Christ is which changed your story. And it's his grace and his mercy at work in your life right now that is continuing to change your story. And it's not about some slick sales pitch or having all the right answers. It's just simply being in relationship. Brickley, just show of hands. For those of you who've become Christ followers, okay, those of you who've put your life in his hands and have found that life-changing message to be your message now, how many of you who are a follower of Christ, how many came to faith in Christ because of a televangelist you saw on TV? Nobody? How many, how many made that decision to follow Christ because some strangers came knocking on your door? Nobody? How many came to faith in Christ because somebody handed you a leaflet, a tract, and you read it and you said, oh, what must I do to be saved? How many did that? How many came to faith in Christ because a friend or a family member shared that message with you? Yeah. It has to be relational. It has to be relational. It's a matter of seeing people 
through the eyes of Jesus. Verse 16, Paul goes on. So, from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. We don't look at people the way we used to. When, when we've entrusted our life to Christ, He changes the way that we see people. It, it, it's, it's a reminder that everybody matters to God. Everybody. Everybody is someone that Christ gave his life for. That's what he goes on. He says, he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Bill Hybels put it this way. I heard this years and years and years ago, and, and it has stuck with me ever since. He said, you have never looked into the eyes of someone who does not matter to God. Everybody matters to him. Everybody. I, I put together just a list, a brief list of who matters to God. The waitress who messed up your order last night when you went out to dinner, she matters to God. The coworker who gets on your nerves, he matters to God. The neighbor who is always borrowing your tools matters to God. The mother of that two-year-old who is having a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, <laughs> she matters to God. The motorist whose car is broken down on the side of the road. The motorist who cut you off in traffic. The student who sits next to you in English class. The barista who made your double shot, light foam, non-fat, decaf, extra whip latte this morning. Matters to God. Your favorite cousin. Your annoying brother. Your daughter-in-law. Your mother-in-law. Your father. Your teenage son. They all matter to God. Christ gave his life for each and every one. And your life needs to be able to be an expression of that to the people around you. Because like I said, if you don't, who will? My wife is, is incredible. She has taken that reality. And she doesn't work in a church. She works in the school district. And, and, and she does a great job. She does, she's just a wonderful worker, hard worker. Does, but believe me, I, she brings stuff home and I say, you're off the, off the clock now, you know, put it down. But, but she has lived by this. She wants people to be able to see Christ in her. And, and a coworker of her said not too long ago, she said, you know what? I don't go to church. I'm not a church going. But if I ever went to church, I'd go to your church. That should be true of every one of us. That people would see in us something that says, you know, I don't know if I agree with you. I don't know if I believe what you believe. And I'm not sure I even understand it. But boy, if I ever did, it would be because of you. Because your life makes a difference. And when it's authentic and real and, and when it's relational and loving and caring, when it enters into the life of other people, see, that's what Jesus did. Jesus noticed people that nobody else noticed. I grew up in Sunday school. We used to sing this song about a guy named Zacchaeus who was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. If you don't know the story, it comes from one of the Gospels. And this, this guy, he's, he was short. He was just kind of a short kind of guy. And, and there were crowds of people following Jesus as he would be walking by. Just people would throng to him and, and just walk alongside of him. And, and, and Zacchaeus was one of those guys who was going like, 
you know, he couldn't see. And he, so he finally decides to climb up in a tree so he can Jesus, see Jesus as he's passing by. And Jesus notices this guy. The guy that nobody had time for. And he says, you, up in the tree. <laughs> Come on down. We're going to have a meal together, just you and me. See, he noticed people that nobody else noticed. He engaged with people in their life where they were at. He has a conversation with a woman in the middle of the day, the noon hot sun who has come to draw water from a well, someone who is an outcast in her own culture, in her own society, and he sits down and has a conversation with her where she's at. There's a Pharisee who comes to him in the middle of the night. Now, if you don't know anything about the, uh, the, the relationship between Jesus and the religious leaders, the Pharisees of his time, it was not good. And this guy named Nicodemus, he's one of those guys, but he comes at night because he doesn't want all of his other Pharisee friends to know he's talking with Jesus. Jesus sits down and has a conversation with him about a new way of living. He engaged people. He hung out with people. He noticed people. It has always been relational. And lastly, if your life message is going to have maximum impact, it needs to be communicated. You have something that is worth sharing. And you need to share it. Verses 18, 19, Paul goes on. God reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He goes on, he says, he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. In other words, what God has done for you, it needs to be shared with somebody else. Because just think for a moment, if that person, when you raised your hand, said that person, that's the person that talked to me, that's the person who shared their life with me. What if they had never shared? What if they'd never told you? What if they'd never explained what this faith journey is all about? What if they had never lived it out in front of you? See, it's got to be communicated. How do you do that? Just start with your own story. You don't have to have all the answers. Just tell your story. I mean, just think about all the ways in which God has changed your life. If your relationship with Christ has relieved you from those feelings of guilt and shame, do you think anybody else could relate to that? See, if your story and your relationship with Christ helped you overcome an addiction or a compulsive disorder, you think anybody could relate to that? If he's helped you with your worry and your anxiety, if he's given you comfort in your grief and in your pain, if he's given you the ability to forgive somebody that you didn't think you could ever possibly forgive, if he's restored your marriage, if he's renewed relationships, don't you think anybody could possibly relate to that? See, that's your story. That's your life message. And there are people all around you who are going through all of those similar experiences. And there's an answer for them. There's a help for them. You need to share that story with others. It's a part of God's bigger story, which is this, verse 19 and 20, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That right there is the gospel message in a nutshell, that God is in the process of reconciling. Now, for reconciliation to happen, there had to be a relationship in the first place. 
And, and that's what we were created for. We were created for this relationship with God. But the relationship has been broken. It needs to be brought back together. It needs to be reconciled. And the thing that broke that relationship is sin. The thing that he says he no longer counts against us. Why? Because he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. That's the work of Christ. So that we might be the righteousness of God. We might be made right again with God. That's the, that's the message. That our relationship with God was broken because of our sin. But God took that sin and applied it to Christ who paid the ultimate price for it so that we could be made right with him again. Or if you want to put it down into one sentence, it's simply this. He did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. That's the message. And how it's being lived out in your life as you share it, as you live it, it's a message that's going to change somebody else's life. But it needs to be communicated. Now, as a church... We have committed ourselves to be the kind of church that an unchurched person would love to attend. And, and I know every time we talk about sharing your faith, it feels like I, you just get all nervous about it, that just the thought of it, your mouth dries up, your palms get all sweaty, you know, you have all these nervous feelings about it. So what we've done as a church is we've said, we're here to help you. And man, maybe you can't share that story and you, or you can't do it in a way that it's going to make sense and you're afraid you're going to mess up and everything. We're going to help you. All right, so inside your bulletin, there's one of these. Would you pull it out? Okay, this is an invitation to our Easter service. Two weeks from today, Easter Sunday. Okay, everybody goes to church on Easter. If you don't go any other time of the year, Easter's the time you're going to go. So you can invite somebody. You can invite somebody. If you don't know what to say, just say, hey, I'd love to have you come and check out my church. I, you know, you're probably going to go thinking about going to church anyway. Maybe you haven't thought about it, but hey, I'd like to invite you to come. So what I'd like you to do is take out this card, and on the back of it, write the name of one person. One person that you love, that you care deeply about, that you would long to see experience the love of Christ in their own life. Do it now. I'll wait. <laughs> yeah, I know you were all thinking, oh, okay, I'll do that when I get home. No, 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 because you won't do it when you get home. So... Right now, just think about one person and just jot their name down on the back side of that card and then begin to pray for them and pray for an opportunity to hand them the card and say, hey, I'd like to invite you. I'll come pick you up if you'd like. And we got all these different services. We got a, we got a Saturday night. We've got three on Sunday. And, and you, you, know, you tell me which one you will go to and I'll be there and I'll meet you there. Will you can sit with me? Just extend the invitation. I mean, think of how many incredible experiences that you have had in your life because somebody invited you. Just make an invitation. And like I say, we, we're here to help you. We've, we've designed it. We have designed what we do on the weekends to be understandable and, and experiential so that people who have no church background at all or maybe had a bad experience would feel welcome and comfortable and okay about it being here. And that's not been true of every church that I've ever been a part of. Even the church that I grew up with, which I loved, people, I loved that church. It was formative to me. It changed my life being a part of that church. But honestly, there were some times I was a little nervous about inviting a friend. Because there's a little cringe factor, you know? It's like, mm. 
oh boy, I don't know if that, per- I hope that person doesn't sing today or, you know, whatever. <laughs> no, oh boy, I, I don't know. We've done our best to make it something that you won't cringe about. <laughs> and you can feel comfortable inviting a friend. So use that. Use this card. Just one person. In fact, we've got extra cards at the help desk, at the new friends desk. If you want more, take more. But just pick one person. Put their name on the card. Hand it to them and say, this is for you. I'd love to see you there. I'd love to be with you. Come join me. To sum it up, this is what Paul did. If you kind of squeeze it all down together, he said this. We try to persuade others. Not by manipulation, not by arm twisting, but because of Christ's love. Christ's love compels us because we are convinced of this message. And he's committed to us the message. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Would you bow your heads with me? I would really, really like to encourage you. Take that card home. Write that name down if you haven't done it already. But just as we close right now in prayer, I want you to think about that one person that you love dearly, that you you long to see come to understand and experience the, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. And as we close, just pray for that person. Lord, you know. You know the people in our lives better than we do. You know what's going on in their lives. And we really do believe that you have brought them into our life for a purpose. And we have a purpose in their life as well. That my story of your grace at work in my life needs to be shared. And I pray for this one person on my card that you would work in their heart, that you would just make that message receptive to them and give me the opportunity over the next two weeks to share that message with them, to make that invitation to help them see a little bit more of you in me. In Jesus' name. Now, if you're here today and you've never taken a first step of faith, something that we try to do every weekend is give people an opportunity. And if you've never discovered the forgiveness, the reconciliation, that relationship with God, here's the thing. God loves you more than you could possibly imagine. He gave His one and only Son who gave His life on a cross for you. And you today can find a new way of life. And it's simply this. You have to admit your need, your faults, your failures, your mistakes, your sin. And just ask for his forgiveness. And receive his grace, what Christ did for you. And then just simply entrust your life to his hands. That's only a first step. But you can make that first step today. And if you're here today and you've never done that, but God's speaking to you and, and this is the thing that you've needed to hear. And the reason you're here is because somebody invited you because they love you. And we want to give you an opportunity. So if you'd like to take that first step of faith, I'd like to pray for you and lead you in a brief prayer as we close. 
I'm going to ask you to do one thing. Would you just raise your hand? And as you do, just look up also and catch my eye because I want to see you and acknowledge you and tell you, praying with you and praying for you. It's a first-time decision. All right. Yeah. I'm going to invite you to just make this your prayer. Lord, you know me. My faults, my failures, your sin. I can't, I can't cover that stuff up. You know it already. But I'm admitting it to myself before you. I'm admitting it to you. And I'm asking for your forgiveness, for your grace and mercy to touch my life and, and bring me into that relationship with you. Today, I'm entrusting my life into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You may-